What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're seeking a church family that can help you grow in your relationship with Christ, or maybe you just want to check us out online, be sure to check out our website, www.nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan. Thanks for tuning and God bless. All right, who's ready to get into the word this morning? All right. We going I got I think God's got an encouraging word this morning cuz he changed my message last night. So, I wrapped this all up and it was actually an older message that I may have preached one time, but he brought me back to it and we're looking at it again this morning because I believe that it is going to be something we need to hear right now, all right? So, but when we get this started, we're going to 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 to 10. Anna will recognize this. This is what we gave Lily before she left to look at. 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 to 10 is going to be our opening verse. Um, And as far as I know, this is only going to be a one-day message, so this is not like a key passage or anything. But uh, it says, Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. Look at your neighbor and say, Jabez means pain. Right, verse 10. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. The last part of that says, so God granted his request. Amen. Let's pray this morning. We're going to get into what God's got here this morning. I'm like, guys, you're speaking through me this morning, so we're going to see where you go with this. So, uh, Father, we just thank you this morning for what you're about to say, Lord, and I pray, Lord, that it speaks to those here, but not only those here, but those that are online, Lord, tuning later. God, I just pray, God, in Jesus' name that you speak your words through me, that nothing that comes out of this mouth or over this microphone will be something Trenton said. It would be all you, Lord. We thank you for it, and we praise you in Jesus' name. So let's talk about Jabez for a second. Can you imagine? Here's, here's the cool part. Some of you may have read the book. The book came out early 2000s sometime. Uh, the Prayer of Jabez was the name of the book. You can still get a copies of it. I think they still sell it. It's just a little bitty book. It doesn't take long to read it all. It's only like 90 pages or something. It's really small. But the word in the message in the book is very powerful. And it can help you to reach a new level in Christ. Because what happened here is the author of the book noticed when he came across this is, and I don't even remember what his name was now, but he came across this is there's a whole bunch of bagats. Okay, when we say bagats, we're talking about people that had other people, and we're talking about the lineage, the bloodline of all these people. And then all of a sudden, as it's in the middle of these bagats, it stops with a man named Jabez. And the man named Jabez, it only has two verses. This is the only time you see him in Scripture. But yet, it's powerful because, did you notice verse 9? It says, now Jabez is more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. Can you imagine having a name like pain? Can you imagine going to school, kids, or going to work, or throughout the week, and then say, hey, what's up, pain? How you doing this morning, pain? How's your day going? Is it painful pain? Right? 
Can you imagine how having a name like pain? Well, see, what Jabez decided is after a certain amount of time that he was done with it. Because back then, if you notice in your scripture, we talk about this a lot, your name is who you became. That's why they named you your name. And I think there's still some truth in that in today's world. Because you look at people, you study the backgrounds on their names, and I don't think man even realizes they do it. They just name their kids. But not always necessarily, but back then it meant something. I named my son Josiah with a purpose. The name Josiah means the same thing that Josiah means, and it means the Lord is salvation. So the reason I named him the Lord is salvation is so that when we look at him, he will know just by his name, the Lord is salvation. Amen? So I had a purpose in my son's name. Now my daughter, I just liked the cartoon Aladdin, and we named her Jasmine, right? So uh, back in 1993, I'm talking about the old one now. So I heard that name. I had to spell it a little different because I didn't like the way they spelled it. But uh, so I spelled it a little bit different. But Josiah, when I had it, I actually went to the Bible and I actually had his name picked out. I don't even remember before we were even married. I uh, had uh, picked out my son's name. Actually, you know what? I had some other names. I was going to name him Jordan or something, right? And then I got to looking because I got a dictionary. It's about this thick. It's got every name in the Bible and what it means. And I got to looking, and we wanted to kick stick with Jays, right? So we had Jasmine, and we were going to come with a boy's name. I was going to be Jordan or something, you know, because I liked Michael Jordan back in the day, right? <clears throat> but then I so, I'm, so I made it a little easier on myself. I went to the, the Bible Dictionary of Names and flipped open to the Jays, and I just started looking through there. And uh, I think I came across Josiah. I'm not really sure. And then I got to looking because it also branches out into different ways that name can be used, so different names. So I seen Josiah with an E, and it meant the same thing. So it's his name is actually spelled J-E-S-I-A-H, and he'll probably get called Josiah his whole life because it's the more popular name in society. But I named him, and I saw what it meant, and it's the Lord is salvation. So it had a name. It had a purpose. I even gave him his, now I kept the Charles name because that's one of his middle names. He's got two middle names, and the reasons for that is because the name Michael I got to look at the name Michael. You know, the archangel Michael, right? And I got to looking at what Michael actually mean. It says, one who is like unto the Lord. So I'm like, man, I can speak one who is like unto the Lord over my son. And when we say his name, the Lord is salvation. He's one who is like unto the Lord. Then Charles Cruz, right? All right, Charles, because it's been in the name where I think he's the fifth or sixth Charles in the name and the family. So uh, the cruz actually means a vessel that holds water. Go look in your Bible. It's in there. It's in there a few times, I know. So when I found out what a word cruz meant, I was like, well, my name's in the Bible, right? So it's a picture. And every time I see that picture, I see the overflowing of that water. Because it holds water, but if we got the Holy Ghost in us, look at your neighbor and say, you should be overflowing. So you can be a vessel that overflows with the Holy Spirit and it will rub off on all of the people around you. Amen. We talk about all the time. You should, when you walk into the room, the atmosphere ought to shift. If there are demons, they ought to run and flee because they know you're in the room. And if you're in the room, the Jesus that's in you, if you're born again, is in the room with you. And so the devil will flee at that. Amen? 
Amen. So resist the devil. That's what the Bible tells us. Resist the devil and he, what does it say? He will flee from you. It doesn't say he might. See, I think too many Christians got this mindset that the devil might flee from me if I cast him out in the name of Jesus. The Bible says he will flee from you. So all that in mind, see, I went all off on a different, see, that's what happens when the Holy Spirit takes in, right? All right, so let's go ahead and jump. We're going to talk about it, but Jabez, well, I didn't hit on in the second verse, was named Pain, and he decided one day that I'm going to change this. I'm not, I refuse to be called Pain and be known as Pain for the rest of my life. So that's when he gave an honest request to God. Look at verse 10 again. Jabez called on the Lord God of Israel saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed. Now some Christians and religious people look at that and say, Well, you shouldn't pray for yourself. Yes, you should. Yes, you should. You should pray for others, yes. But you should pray for yourself too because you need God's blessing as much as the next, next person, Right? Amen. So he says, Lord, that you would bless me indeed. Change my circumstances, God. Enlarge my territory. That's awesome by itself. Expand my borders. Expand my reach. Help me to reach the people that are unreachable. Amen. Woo. And that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil that I may cause May not cause, sorry, pain. So God, I'm not only going to refuse to be called pain, I'm going to refuse to cause pain. God, I want you to bless me indeed. And I pray this every night when I go to sleep. That's my prayer. It's part of my prayer. Lord, that you would bless me indeed and expand my territory, that your hand would be upon me. Keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. Keep me out of the ways of the world, God, the evil of this world. Keep me separate so that I may expand that territory and reach those out there right now. We had a man pull up at the church this morning. That's right. Lost as he could be. He was in his car. He's living in his car. And he started talking, and he talked about a lot of things. And he was talking about the Lord and the Bible, right? And, and I'm like, well, we're getting ready to have church. If you want to come on in, come on in. You're welcome. And he drove off. He said, yeah, yeah, maybe I should. And he drove off. I'm like, okay. He didn't stick around. But you know what? For that moment, he was here. Brett came in and started running the service. I went out there to talk to him. Because that's how this God thing works. He's going to send you divine appointments. He's going to send people into your path. The question is, are you going to take the time to talk to those people? Or are you on a schedule? I got a schedule to keep God. I don't have time to talk to that person right now. I got a schedule. How many of y'all know you should be on God's schedule? Your schedule should revolve, come and go around God. Too many Christians aren't doing that. So let's talk about somebody else this morning that God used greatly and in a mighty way. And we may have to make this a two-parter. I don't know. Because I, I didn't expect all that. But here it was, right? So First uh, Samuel chapter 16 is where we're going to be starting out this morning. 1 Samuel chapter 16, we're going to talk about someone you all are probably familiar with. <clears throat> His name's David. Oh yeah. oh yeah, King David, I know that guy, right? Everybody knows about King David, but how many of y'all know that David didn't start out as a king? He started out as a puny little shepherd boy, right? 
And all he did was say yes to God. And because he said yes to God, God used him to do mighty things and he made him king over Israel. But we ain't there yet, so I got to not get ahead of myself. 1 Samuel chapter 16, we're going to start in verse 11 for the sake of time this morning. But here's what's going on. The anointing has been removed from Saul. God has sent Samuel to anoint the new king. Now let's talk about Saul real quick. They tell us that Saul could have been somewhere around seven feet tall. Why? Because the Bible says he is a head and, was it head and shoulders or something over everyone else. So when you look at a person like that and you're like, Wow, that's a king right there, right? On the outside, Saul looked like the man for the job. And he did start out as a good man for the job, but it changed. So tell me, how many of y'all know, how many of y'all have known people that when they get a hold of a little bit of money, the real them comes out? Not the one you thought they were in church. See, that's why God doesn't pick people by what they look like on the outside. He picks them by what they look like on the inside. If God was picking me by what I look like on the outside, I'm in trouble. Right? I look in the mirror. Thanks, Anna. <laughs> I look in the mirror. I've seen myself. I'm like, man, God, what? You're going to use that, right? But here we go. So, John, uh, so Samuel has come to anoint the king, and I believe, let's see where we're picking up. Yes. He has came with the anointing oil. And he has looked and he has went through the oldest brother. And I always, in my mind, this may not have been the way it looked, but in my mind, I always picture it as he went from tallest to shortest. Because he went from the oldest brother to the youngest brother. And he went through all six of David's brothers. And he's standing there anointing them. And you know he's probably stepping up to And the Bible even talks. Go read 1 Samuel 16. He goes up to the first one. Well, this has got to be your choice, God. This has got to be. So Eliab or Eliab or however you want to say it, he is the man that looks like he would make a good king by appearance. This has got to be him. God said that's not him. Goes to the next one. See, this is why in my mind I always picture it going down. Down, 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 right? So he's looking at the next, okay, well, he's not as maybe, look, you know, big looking, but yeah, he might work. Yeah, we'll do him, God. Nope, that's not him. Gets all the way to the end of the line, and it's like, verse 11, that's where we're picking up in the story. He says to Jesse, because God sent him to Jesse. I want you to understand that. Samuel was the prophet of the nation at the time. Saul fell. People are mourning over the fact that Saul fell. God removed his anointing from Saul. And so God sends Samuel to Jesse from the, the Bethlehemite, right? He's from the Bethlehem area. And now y'all see that clicks, right? You're like, oh, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Yeah, he was. Because this is a descendant. But he goes to Jesse and he says, are all the young men here? And then he said, there remains yet the youngest. And there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. He gets to the end of the line. Is everybody here? Is everybody here? No, I'm just kidding. He gets to the end of the line. Is this all your sons? Now, it doesn't really say in the Bible what happened, whether Jesse literally forgot that his son was out keeping the sheep. You know, I've heard theories and thoughts on it. Or if Jesse just thought, well, he's the youngest. He's, at the, he's not who they're coming to anoint. And he left him out there. Whatever the case, at this point, 
it looks like Jesse forgot about him, right? Because at this point, you got to remember, the sheep, they could be, some of them went, you read some of them stories, it's like three miles from the main camp. They're with the sheep. So they can be far away. And apparently David wasn't that far. But he's out there with the sheep because he looks at him and says, well, there he is. He's out there with the sheep. Samuel's like, well, go get him. Now, check out the next part. If he was far away, do you know that these men are probably like, really? Because look, check out what Samuel said. There remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. Samuel said, send and bring him, for we will. What did he say? See, some of y'all read the Bible, but you don't read the Bible, right? What did he say? He said, we will not sit down until he comes. Now, I don't know, this is not, and this is just thinking outside the box, right? But I see Eliab, or Eliab's character later, the oldest brother towards David, and I'm wondering if some of the brothers weren't sitting there like, we're not sitting down? Nope. <laughs> <sighs> right? right? Now, I don't know how far away David was, right? So the, the point is, he was the forgotten one. He was with the sheep. Right. Now, there's a reason. Have y'all looked around at this world? There's a reason Jesus compares us to sheep. Have you noticed that the flock follows where the leader goes? Have you noticed that everybody hops on to the next click or the next big thing just because that's what everybody else is doing? Have you noticed how we all just kind of follow in a herd around in you know, the different styles? Matter of fact, my, my daughter wore my Michael Jordan jersey this week to the junior high. And uh, she couldn't believe it when I told her, you know, I got that when I was in seventh grade. I was like, coming back around, isn't it? Have you noticed, though, that the styles change? And as they change, the people flock. What's the next thing? What's the next thing? They're kind of like the Wemix. Anybody ever seen the, what is that book called? By Max Lucado. Uh, you are special, yes. The Wemix. They all kind of flock to the next thing. And then you got little Punchinello, who's getting all the, because they're giving out these gold stars and these gray dots, and they basically are saying who they like and who they don't. If you got a gold star, oh, you're a big deal, right? If you got a gray dot, well, you're a loser, right? Punchinello's covered with gray dots. Go read the book. It's my favorite child's book. Matter of fact, I bought as many as I could of the series before they quit printing it, unless they've started printing it again. And uh, Punchinello's standing there feeling like a nobody, and everybody else is making sure to keep him there. Anybody ever notice that? We're a lot like the Wemix, and that's what Max Lucado was getting. Eli, the woodcarver, was up on the hill. He's the one that created all the Wemix. The Wemix are little wooden people. They run around this little town, and they go to the next big fad, and you look at the different books. Sometimes they're painting their noses. Sometimes they're doing different things to go with the style, right? Eli sits on the hill. Eli represents God. But there's one girl in the story. See, I'm, I didn't expect all this. It may be a two-parter, guys. There's one little girl in the story. Her name is Lucia, I believe, if I remember correctly. Lucia had no stars, no dots on her whatsoever. Punchinello said, how is that? Because she would watch. They'd try to put stars because she didn't have any dots, and the star would fall off. They'd try to put dots because she didn't have any stars, and the dots would fall off. She had none. No marks, no blemishes. And he's like, how did you do that? She says, well, each day. Now, check this out because this is the point I think God's trying to get to you this morning. Each day, she said, I will just go spend some time with Eli, their creator. And it just quit sticking after that. Because what happened in the story is Lucia realized her value wasn't based on what the other women thought. Or the other Wemix thought. 
It was based on what the creator thought of her. Because he designed her with a specific purpose in mind, just like he designed you with a specific purpose in mind. When the world tries to give you the dots, the dots won't stick. When they try to make you famous and they try to give you a star, the stars don't stick. Why is that? Because we're not worried about what the rest of man thinks. We're worried about what does God think of me and who I am. Punchinello finally gets the guts to go up the hill to sit with Eli. You need to read the story if you have it. It's my favorite. If you want to hear it, you can actually go to my YouTube, I think. my And I read it to my son online for everybody to hear. And it was during COVID, so you'll hear us talk about that. We were in a lockdown, and that's what we did. Eventually, Punchinello makes it to the top of the hill. He walks in, and he's, he's a little intimidated because everything in the room's big. The stool's as big as him. So he's like, eh, maybe this is a bad idea, right? Suddenly, he hears his name. Punchinello, you know my name? See, I wasn't planning on talking. You are special, but we're talking about it. You're special. Do you know that even though the rest of the world puts marks and blemishes on you, that God still knows your name? And when we're out there trying to get our stickers... Our stars, our dots, we're trying to be what everybody wants us to be, but we maybe aren't making it or we are. It doesn't matter because we need to realize that to the creator, none of that matters. He don't care about your ripped pants. He don't care about your styles. Whatever it is, he cares about you. Now, why am I saying that one? Because it's a big one right now because you look around. I mean, I could wear my work pants literally right now and it would be in style. Right, I could walk in Walmart and people would be like, where did you get those jeans? Because they're all ripped up. Right? Yeah. But see, this is what I'm getting at, though. The style of man is constantly changing. God doesn't. When God looked at you and created you, he had a specific purpose in mind for you. What did he tell Punchinello? Well, I created you. Of course I know your name. God created you. Of course he knows your name. And he basically got around in about way the lesson to Punchinello that it doesn't matter what they think. They're just Weemix. Okay, let me break it to you. Some of you, is, it's, it's going, right? It doesn't matter what man thinks. They're still men. That's right. I created you. That's right. The only thing that matters to you should be what I think of who you are. And when you'll get a hold of that, see, this is the problem. Too many people aren't getting a hold of that simple concept. God knows you by name. He's called you for a purpose, and he doesn't expect you to live like everybody else. If you're a Christian, you shouldn't blend very well with the rest of society. You should stand out. When you go to school, they ought to think, what is wrong with that guy or girl or whatever? They shouldn't think, well, that's just one of us. Because, see, here's the deal. Can we, can we get the grasp on something real quick this morning? <clears throat> the deal is this. If you're living like them, why would they come to you when they needed help? If they can't even tell you're a Christian by the way you're living, why would they want the gods you got? So you go to offer help. But you see, what I've noticed is, over the years, 
is because you just live it. Live what God is telling you to live. We make mistakes. Don't get me wrong. That's not what I'm getting at. We're going to make mistakes, right? But God forgives us of those mistakes, and we continue to live like him, live for him. What I've noticed is as you live for God and show his love through you, the people come to you. Here's the, I used to work at the same Rock Quarry Brett and Steve work at, right? I remember one night. We were down on the dock, whatever, uh, the barge, the barge, down on uh, loading a barge. And we were stuck. I think that night we were stuck for waiting on a boat or something. I don't know what it was. And we're standing around, and we're talking about, you know, somehow God gets brought up. I don't know if Brett was there or not in that particular instance. And, you know, everybody's got their pitching fun. They're making fun. And the ones that are listening are like, well, when's the end of time, right? Everybody wants to focus on the end of time. They're not focused on what's God trying to get me to do now. They want to see how's it all going to end. Well, what does it matter how it's going to end? Because if, if it ends, and whether the end's coming or not, if you're not ready, you're not going to heaven. In doesn't matter. You need to figure out the here and now. What's God doing in this moment? Big revival breaking out all across this country. Mainstream's finally starting to report some of it, right? You guys have heard about Asbury. Is that right? Is I pronounced that right on the news? I'm surprised it's on the news. But, it's, but you know that stuff's been happening for three years now and nobody knew it until the mainstream media started talking about it? That's because nobody is plugged into what God's actually doing in this moment. They're too worried about what they're telling them. You know, the news is just like the, the Wemmicks. What? Yeah, they're just like the Wemmicks. They're telling you what they want you to hear, right. telling you what they want you to know, right. just like man does, right? Yep. And you're missing God because you're too focused on what they think. Missing the greatest revival of all time taking place right now all over the world. It's not just here. There's a big one happening in Iran right now. How many of y'all knew that? There's been conversions, salvations, people going from Muslims to Christians because they see the truth that is in Jesus. News won't cover that. No, no, we can't have Jesus on the airwaves, right? It's happening right now. There's a big one happening in China right now. Some of y'all look at me like, China? The underground church is big things are happening in the underground church. How many of y'all, nobody knew this stuff because we're paying attention too much about what man's talking about, not what God's talking about. And that's the reason none of us are ever reaching our potential in Christ. Back to the story. Whew, I got to get back here. It's time to, I got to wrap up. I'll have to continue next week, right? <clears throat> David. He's sitting out there with the sheep. Daddy said, well, they're still the youngest. I mean, there he is. He's out there, right? I can just see in the back of his mind saying, but he surely ain't the one you want. Right? You know, one study I did years ago, and I haven't studied much on it since, but told me that the average height of a man back then was probably around five foot two, possibly. Now, I don't know where they got their figures around. And that was just when I was studying in a little bit on David. So you imagine this little five foot two dude out there with some sheep. He's young. They think he was probably around 15 or 16 when this happened. All right. So whether you put him at 15 or 16, it doesn't matter. He's still young, right? So a little 15 year old David, let's say, is out there with the sheep. Here he goes. He goes and gets him. We're not going to sit down until he gets here. This could be a long wait, right? Depending on how far he was. But do you know, it said in verse 12, so he went and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is the one. 
Can you imagine what the brothers are thinking right now? Y'all ever heard of the thing called sibling rivalry? Oh, it's real. It's real. They're always trying to one-up the other one, right? Okay. So I can't imagine what the, what's going through the brother's mind. Him? Have you seen the size difference? There's Eliab standing here. I mean, he looks like a king. Are you sure? And then you go down through the list and him? Absolutely. He's just the youngest. He can't do anything. What's he do? He watches sheep all day. You know, it's kind of the same thing as what was going on when Jesus was born. The shepherds were the low, lower on the toe. David's obeying his dad. He's out there watching the sheep. Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. There's a verse I want you to catch there. He goes and gets him. He anoints him. And the next part in verse 13 said, read it. And the Spirit of the Lord, read it with me. I don't know if you can read that, but if you got your Bible. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David. When did it say it came on him? Thank you, Lisa. From that day forward. So here's what I want y'all to get, and we're going to wrap up. I'll have to finish this maybe next week. Maybe we'll see what God does next week, right? Here's what I want you to get. After he was anointed... David was king. Some of y'all need to catch it. Some of y'all, this is you. As soon as he was anointed, the Bible says from that day forward. Oh, sorry, I read that wrong. The spirit of the Lord came upon him from that day forward. But what did David do? He's the king. He's been anointed. The anointing of God is on him. He's got the spirit. He could have took it then. What did he do? 15-year-old David went back to watching sheep. Training grounds. Because we find out when we get to the next part of the story what he was doing out there. Right? We're going to talk about it next. See, I wasn't planning on making this a series, but I I didn't even know if I gave you the title. We're calling this Stand Firm, right? Because some of y'all need to learn how to stand firm. On your faith. That's the point of the first class. You can stand firm because it doesn't matter if... I got to be nice. I can't say it that way. I, got, I can't say it that way. It doesn't matter what man's logic, let's say it this way. It doesn't matter what man thinks logic is. God's logic is the only one that matters, right? All right. So, <clears throat> woo, that's another series. I got to stop. All right. Because I, I could go into Corinthians. We could talk about it. The wisdom of the world. Seeming wise to man, but it's foolish to God. Okay. I, I can't go there. I got to stay here right now. David was king. Now he's king. He's 15. He went back to watching sheep. Too many people nowadays think that as soon as they get that anointing, they should be right on top. Right? That's not how it works. Here's the way my pastor always said, and I always like the wording. Your downtime is not wasted time. Your waiting time is not wasted time. Maybe God did call you to be this But you're not to this yet. He just wants you to know you're called. Now you can begin the training. And the training takes place out there. 
how you living on the streets, how you living every day at work. But know this, David is king, but he went back to watching sheep. I better stop right there this morning. Woo, I didn't expect that all to come out, but praise the Lord it did. Next week we'll pick up in 17. We'll talk about a little bit about 17 of David. So uh, what I want to do here real quick, and I didn't even get the music ready, is if you're tuning with us online, I want to go ahead and talk to you, get ready to dismiss you guys. If you're tuning with us online and you're one of those person, I'm talking to you, you know I am. And you're sitting out there and you're looking at me thinking, he's talking to me, right? And that's you. You need to understand something. God has a purpose for your life. He's got an anointing for your life. He wants to take you to another level in your life. But many of you watching me won't let him. Because you've gotten comfortable where you're at. And because you're comfortable where you're at, you won't let God take you to the next level. That's a lot of the church. I won't say the majority because I really believe there's a remnant church rising up right now. But a majority of the the church that we see, or at least people that claim they're a part of the church, right? They're comfortable. They never look outside of their comfort zone because they never find what God's got for them. Because they're here, because they know this is safe. This is a safe environment. There's no risks here. I can stay right here, and I'll be just fine, and I can just continue to live life. They're miserable as all get out, right? But they're content to live here. When God says, why would you want to stay there when I got so much more for you? If that's you this morning, I want to say, first of all, your journey begins by receiving salvation from the Lord. And you get that through Jesus by asking. You say, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for me. And I believe you rose on the third day. Becoming victorious over death that I might live. I ask you to come into my heart. Lord of my life, forgive me of all my sins. From here on out, I want to live my life for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. In your name I pray, amen. If you said that prayer, you meant it from the bottom of your heart right now. I'm here to congratulate you and welcome you to the family of God. Now you need to find you a good church home, and you need to get baptized. If you want to come by here, then you can come by here. We're at 1225 Cape Road, Jackson, Missouri currently. Um, you can come by here. We would be glad to talk with you, disciple you, and get you to the next level, or you need to find a church that's close to you, depending on where you're turning in right now. You need to get discipled. You need to find a church that is discipling people, and then you need to get baptized because baptism is your next step. God bless you. Thanks for tuning online. We'll see you next week.